Today's episode of the Warriors All 82 podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1.00. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can then get started with the free stock by going to warriorsall82.robinhood.com. That's warriorsall82.robinhood.com. But remember, all investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Ethan Strauss with me. I'm sure he was uh, locked into this Warriors uh, game tonight. They lost. I do, The scoreboard still has it. 129-96 was the final. Uh, and I can do the quick math there. That's 33 points. Um, a blowout. Mostly because the Jazz are really good right now. Um, this wasn't like a dull Warriors performance. It was just... What right now is the worst team in the NBA getting beat by, blown out by what right now is like one of the top three teams in the NBA. Uh, And there's really not that much else to say about it. Yeah, I was talking to somebody, let's say affiliated with the Jazz after the game, and I was talking about how happy the Jazz locker room was. Um, Really the portrait of just everybody getting along. You could hear the Everything is Awesome song from the Legoland movie blasting um and the response was well they've won 18 of 20 and i said yeah you know uh playing the warriors they probably win 18 of 20 and he said no 20 of 20 and i i'm i'm inclined to agree i'm inclined to agree well it's weird the warriors almost beat the jazz twice earlier this year in utah but utah was playing terribly at the time i remember conley it was one of those games where conley was like oh of whatever 12 um but that version of the jazz Beats that version of the Warriors 20 out of 20 yeah. times. So that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's dog days, man. It's dog days. It is. Um, <laughs> the stat I'm putting up, they, the war discrepancy-wise, the Warriors' um, opponents have now made, let's see, the Jazz made 17 tonight, so uh, 613 threes made against the Warriors, whereas the Warriors who only made six tonight, so 11 fewer, have only made 459. Um, and it's the largest discrepancy in the league as far as, you know, how many fewer threes they've made than their opponents. Uh, not too much of a surprise. You lose Steph, you lose Clay, you lose KD. The potency from three is gone. But they're also, with like a, you know, limited roster, they don't play a very modern game. They don't, like, force up a bunch of threes. Jazz took 43s tonight. Warriors, I think, only took 23. Um, I mean, I guess if they played, you know, tried to go a little D'Antoni despite the roster deficiencies, maybe they'd have a few more wins. That would certainly be better for the variance, right? And um, But at this stage in the game, it's, I don't even know. I mean, you'd want them, I think, from a fan's perspective to win a few more just to be entertaining. If they had won that one in Portland, that would have been nice. But overall, it's just at this point in the season, it's where the NBA feels real pointless. Let's just be frank about it. It feels completely pointless. 
You were just telling me you were coming out of the happiest locker room ever. Like, they just, like, advanced to the second round. No, I'm talking about the Warriors right now. I'm talking about the Warriors. I'm not quite talking pointless, about- quite pointless. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, with that as the backdrop, this is what I wanted to talk to you. This is what I wanted the theme of this mini-podcast to be. Um, what still interests you until April? Uh, Zion Williamson. No, about the Warriors. I did want to talk about Zion afterwards, but about the Warriors. There is still three months of basketball left. Like, what left is of your is of interest? Oh, just watching young prospects. Get me some Smila Geach. That's what I want. So Santa Cruz Warriors interest you more than the Golden State Warriors. Well, I want to see some of these Santa Cruz guys coming up and uh, getting getting on the big stage. I enjoyed Smila Geach. I'm not saying it'll help them win. I just want to see him. Turn them loose. We're about to be interrupted by Marcus Thompson. What still interests you as the season trudges along? The greatness and the the critical importance of retaining Alec Burks. <laughs> I can't I can't overstate this enough. They cannot let Alec Burks go. You know what I think might be better than Alec Burks? Like the the Brooklyn Nets second rounder that um, the Sixers have. Or actually, it's a Knicks second rounder that the Sixers have. Uh, like 35th overall pick. I think that's better. I, I just want Marcus to just start leaning into this even harder. Like They will rue the day they part with Alec Burks. It will be a shame that will stain the organization forever. It will be like when the Hawks traded Dominique Wilkins if they get rid of Alec Burks. They will rue the day they trade Alec Burks. It will be the the stain on the franchise forever. It will be like when the Hawks traded Dominique Wilkins. How's that? I think I want I want I want Anthony to edit that and put that as like the intro to the podcast. You you you're making my editing job a lot tougher than I want it to be tonight. I mean, people can. People need to be rewarded for getting to this point of the podcast. We're on minute four. I, su- I suppose so. Uh, you will rue the day you invited me on this podcast, Anthony. Well, the trade deadline's coming up, and that's something to be mildly uh, curious about. I mean, I don't. I, neither of us think that the Russell move is going to happen now, uh, just because you know there's no reason for the Warriors to panic into it. There's so many more other options that might be available in the summer, so there's probably very likely not going to be a big move by them. But you know. Trust me, people are interested in minor roster tweaks around the fringes. The trade deadline always gets people interested, but in this case, the Warriors are not going to be playing for anything this season, so making a trade of, uh, of meaning uh, seems they're to be... They're sellers. Yeah, they're, they're sellers. It seems to be rather rather unlikely. It's actually a good year to be a seller because of how many, uh, you know, like the A seed in both conferences is so bad right now that like there's basically like 27 teams that could like kind of weirdly convince themselves they could still get into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, Dangle, Burks, or who even, who even, who even knows? But the question you asked me, what interests me, I do think there are interesting things happening around the league as a basketball fan to transition it from the Warriors. These young players, Ja Morant and the Grizzlies being a playoff contender, Zion Williamson out the gate after the ESPN announcers were calling him fat, putting together that incredible stretch run, despite maybe uh, that being so, and them just, you know, being accurate in the assessment of the body composition. I mean, these are these are interesting storylines. The, uh, the Porter Jr. situation in Denver, I mean, that could change their whole franchise. It could make them like the thunder of 2011 out in the mountains. There's, there's some stuff happening, man. There's some stuff happening right now at this point of the season. Yeah, I'm going to out myself. I left uh, the Warriors game from press row I, I went to the um, media room you know in the fourth quarter the Warriors are down 30 
um, and the Pelicans' fourth quarter was on. Um, you know, so I went. I had both games on in the media room, uh, and then uh, one of the Warriors PR guys, Cole Lawrence, shout out to him. He came in and he was kind of watching it with me, and was that he walks in? It's like you know, whatever nine minutes left in the fourth, right around the time Zion's re-entering. Uh, and he's asking, you know, how's Zion doing in his debut? I was like, well, you know, not good. He's got five points. And Cole literally sat next to me for like eight minutes, like eight actual, like real life minutes. And by the time I had said, he's, you know, he's having a really bad night. He only has five points. He was up to 22 or whatever he finished at. I mean, it was so quick. He scored those 17. And he did it in the absolute non-Zion way as expected. Most, Four threes. Most memorable NBA debut since LeBron versus the Kings? Yeah, probably. Um, and what was funny about it was I was sitting there thinking as this was happening, as Twitter's kind of going crazy about it, and even going crazy after he gets taken out of the game about, hey, why is he coming out? Um, the Warriors-Jazz were the original ESPN game. That In the time slot that you know, it was Spurs Pelicans because if there was no flex scheduling, which for TNT there really isn't flex scheduling, and for the ABC Saturday nights, of which the Warriors have four coming up, wow. um, they couldn't have flexed that out. So instead, like, you know how lucky the NBA is that the national audience got to see that because they flexed out what would have been uh, nobody basically watching the fourth quarter of a monstrosity of a blowout. Uh, very lucky. Glad they did it. Glad they flexed it. Um, and truly a shocking, a shocking turn in the end. And you know, the NBA obviously took a hit in its interest level. The Warriors were part of that story. I think the what we've learned this season, uh, among many other things, is that they became something of a brand. Right? Maybe they aren't the Lakers. Maybe they don't have that accrued over decades. But the league felt their absence. It was in the numbers, if we're talking on a scale of millions of people, as far as the interest that uh, that decreased. So maybe if you're an NBA optimist, you go, this Zion situation's cool, these other young players, and then you get the Golden State Warriors coming back next season. Yeah. It's it's kind of easy in the modern day to like create, create quick brands. Like, you know what's – like. The Chiefs before Mahomes were like, ugh, like the Chiefs yeah. are on. Alex Smith is playing quarterback. Like, yeah, they might like go just ten and six. The color scheme so. feels like nineteen eighties. Right? Just it just feels. And then you know, Andy Reid is almost the perfect guy to be wearing that like, garb. Yeah. As far as so so literally two seasons ago, it was like, oh, it's like okay, Chiefs Broncos game. Like I'm really not that interested. Like yeah, Alex Smith might like you know kind of game manage them to a win. Now on a random Sunday in like the you know week eleven. Chiefs against whoever's on, like you're probably interested just because you know the brand of the Mahomes, the Tyree Kill, the Travis Kelsey, the Andy Reid, like that high flying offense is going to play. Whereas that's the Warriors quickly became that. I mean, I would say they they really solidified becoming the mega brand during the '73 win season, and then yeah. obviously what came after that. I mean, the Lakers are the Lakers. Uh, they've just been such a fixture for so long, but the Bay Area, um, I think in many ways it rose as a region. Concurrent with the Warriors' rise, uh, tech became the center of commerce and a lot of culture, and so it just exploded. And, yeah, it's gone away in terms of the product on the floor, but I think that is now it is a dormant superpower in a way that would have been unimaginable before the Warriors made their run. Who do you think is going to get the eight seed in the West? Best thing for the NBA would be Zion you know, muscles his way in and they get Lakers Pelicans with the Davis connection uh, in round one. 
Um, but, you know, Grizzlies is the 8. Isn't bad with Morant. And, obviously, I know what we're staring at right now on the computer screen is the Spurs in the 8. And that is alert, alert yeah, for the NBA. The Don't problem, allow that to the happen. The problem is that you just have these savvy veteran basketball organizations who are in the bottom end of the bracket. And it's so it's a little difficult to see some of these whippersnappers jumping up and taking it from them. I mean, you could see it happening. Are but we, are we um, discussing like 1950s MLB standings? Whippersnappers. Whippersnappers. You know, uh, got them looking for some, uh, some, some ragamuffins. You know, you got your. Uh, I, I, I've run out of terminology. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. You know, some of these less experienced organizations. The Blazers seem like a mess. Um, it's hard to see them getting into the mix of it. And frankly, I don't think the Pelicans will either. The Zion thing is really cool, but I don't think it's going to translate to that level of winning for them to close the gap as great as that would be for the NBA for it to be Lakers-Pelicans first round, which, again, goes to show you how much a star can change things. Just like Mahomes can change things for Kansas City, the idea that Pelicans is a hot ticket is something that's hard to really fathom. I mean, they weren't a hot ticket when they had Anthony Davis as the number one pick. It's just certain guys have that magnetism. Zion has it. AD, as great as he is, doesn't, and that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I'm a g- scroll up the standings right now. Look at what um, one eight would be. Right now, it's Bucks against the uh, Nets. Now that sounds incredibly boring, but imagine if KD what you know was coming back right now, suddenly we'd be going, imagine KD Giannis in the first round. That's what stars do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how that would equal probably triple the ratings. Uh, oh, yeah. Bucks Nets now is a first-round series on NBA TV that barely gets watched. Bucks Nets, if in this alternate universe where KD was coming back, which, again, I really, really doubt he is, um, it's suddenly like ABC's, like, primetime, uh, you know, like, weekend game. Yeah, some of these some of these matchups could be really uh, could be really brutal. I mean, some of these teams just don't, and that, that's an issue for the NBA as they look to, to their structural reforms. Uh, you know, do we really need sixteen do, NBA teams? Yeah, do we really does the, does the public really need the Orlando Magic in in the playoffs? I mean, maybe if you're a Magic fan, you take offense to that, but yeah, some of these teams are just it's too much fat, too much fat in the product. Uh, pardon the pun in regards to one Zion Williamson. By the way, there is a little argument on Twitter. I don't know if you saw about whether that was okay. I was I was sort of chuckling at that about whether he was being fat shamed. And what I loved about his performance in the fourth quarter is everybody just forgot about all that. And it just became about it just became about what he was doing. Was that basketball's best moment this season? Yeah. I would say so. What would be comparative to it? There was a really good Lakers Bucks game. I mean, there were some cool moments, right? Uh, John Morant had that great lookaway pass. That was cool. There have been some awesome games, but there are always, you know, there are always some thrilling games. Um, and you know, Lakers Clippers. That that was cool. But I think this was this was more of a wow. You might remember where you were when you watched it. Moment. I was in the Warriors press room watching a 30-point blowout with my left eye and Zion <laughs> scores 17 in three minutes with my right eye. But you'll probably remember that, and I don't know if this season has produced any other moments of that, you know, of that of that standing. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm not remembering one, but hey, they're not memorable enough for us to call it up right now. Can you mention uh, your your upcoming Utah story? Oh, I'm just writing about Quinn Snyder because people say he's effectively a genius and could be doing something other than coaching. And so uh, it's about him, the way he thinks, and 
also some of some of this jazz, man. The jazz out here. What a loose, happy locker room. I was I was blown away by it. Uh, I know teams when they win, they're happy, but I was just, man, are, are all these guys friends? What is this? I, I I don't I don't I don't recognize it. What interests you most about Quinn Snyder beyond like there are coaches who are considered smart. Like what about him? I think the whole arc of his career, where he was the anointed hot college prospect uh, coach and he was Coach K's right hand man and then he was given his own program and he became famous really quickly and people thought he was a know-it-all and there was scandal and it all blew up and he had to come all the way back all the way back from Europe and the what was then the D-League and so he's almost assumed this different persona um, and there's just been this whole arc to Quinn Snyder of this early rise followed by this big flame out followed by just crawling back into the NBA scene uh, that I find to be interesting and frankly there are only so many coaches that are that are interesting like that um, I think I think in a way this jazz team he's as much what I think about them as some of the players because they don't have a superstar player. They don't. Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that one. No, they're all like that. The really like fringe level, like you know, fringe all stars that just aren't eye popping names. Um, who's coach of the year? Is he? Is Billy Donovan maybe? Which Billy would be Donovan. talk about a Billy wild Donovan. arc. Um, man, I mean, I don't even know how to. The whole coach of the year thing is ridiculous because how do we know? How do we even know? Because so much of it's behind the scenes. But Donovan, I think the Thunder have impressed. I'm not shocked by what they've done. I, I looked at that roster and I thought, well, you know, they still have the makings of good defense. Um, but they've done they've done better than people at any reason. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, I think, did a great job too. But that might have been one of the more deceptively tricky jobs. But I think Donovan's a good choice. Um, maybe give it to Bud for just maintaining excellence out there in Milwaukee. Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, you think? I mean, who, who I'm just knows? I'm trying to set you up on a team. No, yeah. Quinn Snyder should be coach of the year. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand basketball. When Quinn Snyder was three years old, he was constructing Rubik's Cubes <laughs> out of it. All right. Uh, I will let you get to writing. I, uh, I'm going to write as well. All so, right. All right. I'll talk See, to you. Next time, I don't know. Next time you're gonna be doing a podcast. When's the next time you come into a Warriors game? No, I'm, I'm a jazz. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a jazz jazz guy now. I've kidnapped Tony Jones. I've hidden him from his family, and it's all jazz all the time. That'll do it here with me with jazz beat writer Ethan Strauss, and I will talk to you uh, Pacers on Friday in Chase Center.